Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Soul Sisters podcast for Billboard. I'm Jesse Katz here with my co-host Dara Golub. And we are feeling pretty good about the episode we recorded today because it's just one of those chats that makes you feel like, I don't know, we're kind of all in this together and uh, everyone's awesome because our guest today was awesome. Her name is Alexis Krauss. She is half of the band Sleigh Bells and uh, she stopped by for a lovely chat about how she came up in music and how they defined this crazy sound that they created and uh, and what's coming up for them in 2016. A lot of exciting stuff. So let's get to today's episode with Alexis Krauss. So how long has that friendship been going? Mm. Well, Bethany and I, it was funny. We've existed in the same circles for many years. I feel like our bands have already, have always sort of been like sister bands in the sense that we started getting attention around the same time. There was even a weird coincidence between my bandmate Derek and Bethany where when he first came up from Florida and was looking for somebody to work on music with, she was in a band called Pocahontas. And he had actually approached her about what? joining what was to become Sleigh Bells. And she was kind of like, uh, uh, yeah, I got this thing. Like, I don't know you, sort of. <laughs> it, it didn't work out. Oh and God. then he ran into her. I think it was at Coachella and was like, hey, remember me? And she was like, holy oh, shit. So, so yeah, like so your lives are very intertwined. Our right. lives are very intertwined, but we, for many years, just never met. We never crossed paths at a yeah. festival. It was always like she was playing on Friday, we were playing on Saturday, um, and then and she's like West Coast, exactly West Coast, right. East Coast, yeah. for sure. And then um, I guess a couple months ago, I was I can't really get into too much detail, but I was as much as you can get. Yeah, right. I I run a blog that's dedicated to sustainable alternative cosmetics and skincare products. Mm -hmm. And I'm very interested in one ingredient in particular, which is called shea butter, and it's produced by women in West Africa. So we are working on a project that raises awareness about shea butter production and women's empowerment in West Africa through fair trade and the connections between the U.S. market and Ghana and women making things for women. So I was looking for a partner in that venture. Mm -hmm. And um, 
Bethany just kept coming up in my mind because she does so much work with women here in the United States and she's an outspoken feminist and I just think a general badass and so we know people that know each other and we were connected (laughs) uh, and the rest is history and and we ended up doing this like funny thing out in California which was the first time we hung out Um, and then we were in Ghana together (laughs) like bonding so you still hadn't met her uh, we had met we had met but we hadn't spent like a ton of time together right we had like a very you know rich email relationship (laughs) Um, but yeah so we did some serious bonding in Ghana and that's kind of all I can say at this point okay um but yeah we'll because be things will her. be coming out things will be coming out okay. exactly bonding cool. in exactly. ghana yeah. yeah i like it right. how long were you there can you tell us that? uh we were there for about a week cool mm-hmm. and i'll be, like be the name of her. a podcast bonding in ghana bonding in ghana <laughs> today with Jessica. alexis and bethany <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, there was um it was it was great and so i'm going to her t5 show tonight which i'm excited Excellent. about yeah. yeah look at so this day it's a great day so great we're all just friends hanging out friends upon friends and Bethany and I have the same tour manager too, which is hilarious. So it's like, how does that all? It we've just we haven't been on tour, and they've been on tour, okay. so it's it's great. Yeah. It's like everybody just sort of shares awesome crew guys and gals. So is that because you guys are recommending people to each other? Pretty it's, much, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's such it's a pretty incestuous world, the music business, as yeah. you know. So it's not uncommon to be like, oh, who does front of house? Like, oh, you know right. him. Like, right. oh, oh, she does monitors, whatever. So totally. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you for being here. Of this course. Is, like super exciting because I just feel like I haven't met you before, but you're like a cool person that <laughs> seems like you're a perfect fit for the show. Great, so I'm great. glad we can chill here for an hour and get to know each other. I'm honored. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's talk about your own badassery because you certainly <laughs> have your credentials in that area. Um, I think because of the, the kind of music that you make, people probably expect a certain like badass vibe to walk into the room for sure but you seem to have a chiller vibe yeah then i <laughs> walk in like expect. with a bike helmet covered in dirt I'm like, right, hey, exactly um, <laughs> so are you are you channeling something something inner into that music or is um, that just like the art the art brain is that i i think it's more about the art brain i yeah. think for me music has always been sort of transformative and one of my favorite things about music is that you can exist as a relatively introverted quiet reserved person and then you can hear music or play music and totally step outside of yourself and all of your inhibitions sort of fall to the wayside and you feel really just liberated and empowered Um, and for me as a performer I first started performing in musical theater and I was never playing myself so I could like in school or in school and then I did some professional work and and so you know you're playing a character and you're always stepping out of yourself and then what were some of your roles (laughs) (laughs) Um, my my big breaking role was Annie Um, but that was like my my first time that I was ever on stage and and I knew I was like you were Annie I was Annie wow Um, it was you know like a smaller production a regional production but um, very impressive yeah Yeah. it it was the first time I was really on stage and I, I knew that I needed to be on stage I just fell in love with it um that's not a little wallflower role no 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 yeah it's 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 a big role for a kid um I was 10 when I did it and I I still think back and I was like wow that's a lot of responsibility and a lot of a show to carry on on your shoulders Um, what's your favorite song from Annie I want both of you to answer oh um 
I really love Maybe. Yes. I love Maybe. Same. And I, um, I mean, Hard Knock Life is, in, is incredible. I love, you know, that, I think that moment is, is really great. And then I love the little, like, little moment, oh, I'm touching the mic, the little <laughs> moment where the, um, like, the young 20-something woman comes on stage with her suitcase and does it, like, <laughs> NYC, yes. just got here this morning, that, like, whatever her name is called. I think that it kind of evolves as you get older, right? Like, I didn't appreciate Maybe at all when I was a kid. Yeah. And then recently I was like, what was that one really pretty song in Annie? And I put it on while I was walking my dog. And then I was like, floored. Like, mm-hmm. how come everyone isn't covering this song? It's one of the most beautiful songs it is. Ever it's so gorgeous. It's so specific about what it's about, kind of. It's a gorgeous song. And it's very it's yeah. hard to you sing. Because oh, oh, yeah. it kind of goes yes. in between Big like range. a head voice and, and, a, and a belt. Um and then, you know, has those intervals, which is anyway. So, yeah. Did you study singing? I did. You did? Yeah. Okay. I studied singing. But, my, you know, my dad is a, um, a sort of a rock R&B singer. He's got great technique. But I think it was important for my parents and for me at a young age, because rock and R&B and soul and blues and jazz were such an important part of my life to never go too far in the direction of like the Broadway singer. Yeah. You know, like that was their influence. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. My mom would like, you know, play T-Rex records and like we would listen to like everything from like Caledonia to, you know, Zeppelin to the Beatles to... Eartha Kitten, Etta James, and like we weren't, no offense to Julie Andrews or, you know, like <laughs> beautiful Broadway voices, but like that just wasn't, we weren't listening to sopranos. We were listening to like gritty yeah. right. singers. But you naturally gravitated towards it a little more? Towards what? Towards the Broadway? Towards, or it was, just, it was just an easy forum or an easy outlet as a kid? It was just something I, I saw Guys and Dolls on Broadway when I was young and then I saw Into the Woods and Crazy for You and I was just like, just obsessed that yeah. you could create that type of a world and yeah. crazy for um, you. Love yeah. That, yeah. And then I think, you know, I think for me, like going back to the idea of like, you're playing a character on stage, which was always much easier for me to comprehend than like when I would play music with my friends starting around like sixth grade, I had a really good group of guy friends. Um, and they were <laughs> in a ridiculous band called twisted dog sister. Um, <laughs> and, and like they wanted me to sing whole covers and we were having there was like a show at the local ice cream parlor and on our main street in town and and they wanted me to sing you know whole covers and I I was mortified like the idea of having to sing as myself in front of my friends was terrifying when people used to ask me to like sing on class trips they'd be like oh we're driving from you know New Jersey to DC. I grew up in Jersey. You're like, sing for us. And like the idea of singing an Alanis Morissette song in front of my peers was, you know, it was awful. So musical theater was like very easy for me to step into and not be self-conscious. And then it took me a long time really until Sleigh Bells to get to the point where I could go on stage as myself and not just want to like turn bright red and run off the stage. But some Uh, part of you must have been wanting to do that if... I, you were putting yourself out there enough that people were having you in their bands. I did. And stuff. I yeah. did definitely want. I didn't like the fact that I, you know, I'd watch other performers and I would see them just be so raw and uninhibited, and I really wanted that. I would just always feel incredibly self conscious. So I, it's something I had to work towards. Yeah. And I think the the music of Sleigh Bells, the sort of cacophony and the intensity. Um, 
the bombast of Sleigh Bells demands a front woman that is going to meet that challenge. Like, it's not shoegazy music. It's right. not quiet, sort of like no. stand there and look at your feet. Like, it just Sleigh Bells I was like, makes right, me want to like quit my <laughs> job and go rage through the street and just like fuck up society. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of it makes me feel that way yeah. too. So I was like, all right, Alexis, you need to just get out of your own head here. And um, now I love it. Now I there's nothing more exciting to me than those moments before I step on stage. Like it's just my adrenaline is off the charts. I think of it as like an athlete or a warrior going to battle. Like it's just a very visceral, intense experience. Yeah. And I've totally embraced it now. Like Do you it's, have like an athlete does like a pumping up situation <laughs> like or, or a, yeah, I mean, I don't have a ritual, like, a specific routine. There's been jump, jump like jumping rope there's been lots of cartwheels anything that's going to raise my cardio because i i definitely i can't go on stage just like oh i'm just chilling drinking a beer and then i start stomping <laughs> around i'm like <laughs> you know <laughs> so i like really have to like run up some stairs or just lots of running in place and like i said jumping jacks and just being an idiot in general like crew guys will be like what is this maniac doing like why yeah but they must see weirder shit than that i'm sure i'm sure (laughs) but it's a very physically demanding show yeah Um, and i i tend to stay quite healthy on on tour because i think of it as like you know my favorite performers are are physical performers and whether it's modern day performers like beyonce who's kind of you know like the ultimate queen of that to james brown to even you know otis redding like every girl group every I love choreography I love you know dynamic shows entertainers um I have no issues with just like standing and watching a rock band I love that too but for me like I want to see movement and I want to be entertained yeah so I, I try to do that I mean we don't have like dance routines on stage although I would love to um, <laughs> different direction for the band (laughs) yeah exactly that's we're working on a new record now and that's something i'm going to pitch to derek be like some choreographed dance moves yeah go back to that musical theater realm a little bit of a crossover which which he's so horrified by (laughs) musical theater is the worst thing ever Um, so that's so interesting that you you grew up in a home where it was like rock and roll is the thing Mm-hmm. And and musical theater is kind of like no let's let's stay so away from that. Was your dad in a band? He was. He's still, still a full time musician. Okay. Like he always he did a lot of stuff with the Stone Pony and like the Jersey Shore yeah. bar band scene. Cool. And there's so many great players down there. But um, he is did that a lot the part of, of Jersey that you grew up in? The Shore. Wow. Yes. The nice. much maligned Jersey Shore. No, but it's great music. Yeah, there's a great history there. I actually didn't get into a lot of the local musicians, especially Bruce, until uh-huh. later on when I discovered his earlier catalog. Um, Your dad wasn't playing Bruce when you were growing um, up? Not really. My dad, when I was in high school and elementary school, was like huge blues head. Okay. <clears throat> um, and it wasn't until I discovered like, you know, greetings from Asbury Park and early Bruce stuff. Because uh-huh. growing up in Jersey, like in high school, everybody's like, oh, born in the USA, dancing in the dark. Which, right. Those are great songs, don't get me wrong. But I was listening to like Clash and punk bands and yeah. just alternative stuff. And I was like, oh, this is terrible. Yeah. You know? yeah. So when yeah, I discovered, sometimes you like, have to pick your era of an artist to really enter into them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Like early Bruce, if you're like into Dylan or something, then you can like really relate to early spring season exactly stuff, yeah exactly so, um so was your, yeah it was a rock it was definitely like a rock and roll house yeah. was your mother into oh was yeah she playing well my mom's not a musician but she's always been a music fan and 
you know, it's funny. We're watching that show Vinyl right now, mm-hmm. the HBO show. And she's like, oh, I remember being at Max's Kansas City on such and such a night. And wow. like, I remember the first time I saw the dolls. And like, right. we get into really funny conversations because my fiance is a huge Ramones fan. And she'd be like, the Ramones never played CBs. Like, they were at Great Gildersleeves down the street. And, like, they were a corny band. And Tyler, my fiance's like, uh, no, they actually did play CBs because I've seen footage of it. And, like, so they would just get into these crazy debates about, like, is the Clash a pop band or is the Clash a punk band? And, you know, which bands, like, my mom dated Jimmy Destry, who was the keyboard player for Blondie for many years. And... They were all friends, so just like did she grow up in the city? Debbie, yeah, my parents are both from Brooklyn. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. just like the first time she saw Debbie, and she was, I guess my mom was like nineteen, and Debbie at that point was like thirty-five, and she was like couldn't believe that a woman could be thirty-five and look that way and be as badass as Debbie Harry was. So yeah, my parents are so much cooler than I am. <laughs> It's a rock and roll family. I mean, you turned out okay. <laughs> um, so were you always thinking music was going to be the thing that you ended up doing? Um, I always, I think that was, that was what was so exciting about musical theater and discovering that because I realized, even though my father was a musician and I understood that, like seeing musicians and artists on stage in the, in theatrical capacity was the first time that I was like, oh, wow, this is a living. Like, this is something people do for work. Um, and as a kid, like, there were there were children actors in musical theater, whereas there weren't, like, child rock stars necessarily, right, right. unless you were a prodigy. So it just seemed like, oh, I can this is something I can get into. Um, Did you spend much time going to your dad's shows and stuff? I would sing with my dad. Okay. Yeah, I would, I would do... I would, like I said, I would perform with my dad, everything from like One Fine Day and girl group stuff to like random Elvis songs. And, As like a little girl? Yeah. And then I, when I got obsessed with Jagged Little Pill, um, <laughs> I would like learn how to play the harmonica and I would, you know, like play like Alanis Morissette and harmonica solos and sing ironic with my dad. And people would be like, who is this little kid? But that's awesome. Yeah. So you saw him making a living at it. And I did. It was like part of that mm-hmm. world. You were in it. Yeah. And I very much, I mean, it sounds strange to say, but from the age of like 10 to 16, I worked professionally, whether it was in musical theater or commercial work. And then I was part of a cast girl band that started as like a Nickelodeon project called the Gunk Girls and girls plus funk equals gunk. <laughs> um, Nailed it. And there was an era of like gack and yeah, oh, totally. and, uh, yes, mm-hmm. guts yeah, and was, all of that. It was definitely like the height of, of Nickelodeon's reign over, you know, <laughs> like teen the world of tweens. Yeah. Right. Um, and that sort of morphed into a deal with a label called Adel America. And it was a girl band. I was the bass player, lead singer. And uh, I worked very closely with a producer named Jeff Copeland, who still does a lot of incredible work. And him and I wrote a lot of music. um, And then there were three other women. And we were all friends, but it was very much a put-together band. And we were trying to push it creatively in, in in a bit of a heavier direction. And the label really wanted like a pop, a shiny pop direction kind of like the <clears throat> the the girl band that could go on tour with Backstreet Boys right yeah you know? <laughs> like, it was just a very and it just felt how old were you at really this point? disingenuous um I was a part of that from about 12 to 15 16 
it was fine when I was 12 and we were doing the whole Radio Disney thing. Um, and then as I got older, I was just mortified by it. And which was sad because it was a, by a the really, music that you were playing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your parents are like, I can't. <laughs> it, well, it was good pop music. Like it was good pop music. But when I was in high school, I could care too shits about good yeah. pop music and it really wasn't until like being in sleigh bells and starting to think about the challenge of writing a great pop song that I recognized how good a lot of that music was um but I was burnt out on the music industry by about 15 or 16 <laughs> it's not good and Wait, when did you pick up the bass I picked up the bass because when I first auditioned for the Nickelodeon show I auditioned with keyboards I, I was you know playing I was a I was raised playing classical piano uh-huh. um and I played you know synth keys and they were basically like we need a bass player do you think you can play bass and I came to the next audition playing bass like I remember my dad whoa did he and, teach you yeah yeah I mean because my dad's awesome. a great guitar player yeah. and, and a decent bass player and um you know I think being a great bass player is a very hard thing to be. I think being like a, a shitty bass player is probably like <laughs> the easiest thing of all the instruments to play shittily. Um, but I worked on it for many years and, you know, I, I think I got to a level that was, you know, fairly decent. Um, and so the band dissolved due to record label issues and all kinds of other issues. So and you didn't have to be the one to say, I'm out? Uh, it just kind of it, yes, fell apart Yes on and own? no. Okay. There, were like, there were business issues. And then there was also me just being like, I'm done. Right. Like, you let's know, let just, it go. Yeah. yeah. Were you still in school at that <clears> point? Or were you, had you taken a break? Okay. I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And then I went to college for some, you know, I stepped out of music. I was I was working as a wedding singer throughout college, which was phenomenal. Where'd you go to school? Marymount Manhattan College. So okay. Just south of here on in the seventies on the east side. And I so I stayed working in music, but I was not interested in pursuing a career in music anymore. Um what is the wedding singer life yeah. like? The, you like that? Dude, it was incredible. Um I'm still good friends with a lot of the musicians and <clears throat> It's a it's a company that does very high like high society weddings, bar mitzvahs. So we would play with, you know, some nights there would be a five piece band, some nights there would be a twelve piece band, like a great horn section and percussion and three great singers harmonizing, singing everything from like Ella Fitzgerald to Kanye West, right? <laughs> <laughs> Top forties, yeah. And it was, but are you uh, with a different band and different vocalists every gig? Sometimes, and then sometimes we would stick with the same band. Okay, and every but you weekend. have to be able to like click into them really yeah, quickly. Yeah. Every week there would be a new song list based on the wedding or the party, and um, it was great for my chops. I learned yeah, right. a ton. Uh, it was a great way to work with other musicians. Um, it was good money it's for a great college gig, yeah. kid. Like <laughs> totally, I would get on the subway in my evening gown, <laughs> right. with like my like mic stand and my like alcohol swabs to clean off the mic breath. Um, were there any songs that were requested where you're like, oh fuck? You no, know, it wasn't really a request situation because I feel like most of the people. It was just for such rich people. Yeah. It was more of... Okay. But you had a list. list. Yeah. There was definitely... There were definitely requests. Um, I can't think of... super schmaltzy stuff. Well, we would always... We we never... um, It's funny. I 
my dad is like a Brooklyn Jew, uh-huh. but he was adopted. So I'm like not technically Jewish, but I grew up, like what I said, like a, my father sort of like with Jewish culture, but I I didn't, I wasn't bat mitzvahed or yeah. anything like that. And um, we would have to sing like all of the, the Hebrew songs, which I was just such a hack at. Yeah, like I never actually learned the lyrics. <laughs> so I would just like, with the, and then a lot of times there'd be a request for like, oh, this one. And I would just look at my like, like literally had no idea what the hell No, I'm Jewish, but I never went to Hebrew school. So that's like every time I go to synagogue is just faking it. Yeah. My whole life. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and then there were a lot of like, like, do you remember the da, 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 like September? Mm-hmm. And like, I remember the first time we had to sing that, and I was just like, I know this song because the song is ubiquitous, but I don't, don't know actually the song. know the words. Yeah. <laughs> so there was lots of just making shit up. Uh-huh. There was a funny situation where there was that Kelly Clarkson song "Because of You" that was really popular. Well, for weddings, yeah, exactly. Which so the lyrics of that song are really dark. Yeah, you know, it's like "Because of You." I never strayed too oh, far yeah. from the side or whatever. Isn't it about it's like, like her father fucking up her life. Yes, it's yeah. about it's about abusive parents and just like really fucked up stuff. So we got a request from a mother who wanted that to be her and her son's first dance oh, for like a bar mitzvah. <laughs> That's amazing. And my the woman I work with, that I worked with. Uh, luckily, she she was the one who was singing the song. And she, I remember it was like on our way to go to the gig, and she was like, "I just realized what these lyrics are." Yeah. So she rewrote all really? the lyrics. I bet they didn't even know. Because of you, oh, they did it. No, they, they obviously it. never paid attention. No, to those exactly. Lyrics. That's it's informative how how often people don't. Oh, it's like no when politicians play "Born in the USA" at their rallies. It's like yeah. it's a very like un-American. Chris Christie's like, right. you know, Springsteen's like, please go away. Yeah, exactly. Oh. I went to a wedding once where one of the songs they played was "Brick," which is wait the Ben Folds about abortion. About abortion. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like okay, this is Ben Folds. Bad. No, oh, man. no, you don't play that. People just don't realize. Yeah, no, they're like, that's, I mean, that's the power of you know great melodies right. and great arrangements <laughs> and production, right? Yeah, people are like, oh, this. You know, because of you, it sounds like this beautiful love song. Oh, because of you, in right. my life, you are wonderful, which is kind of what we changed the lyrics to. <laughs> I just heard Marin was talking about that, how he's not like a lyrics guy. He doesn't really listen. And I think I might be that way, too. So, like, I'm probably guilty of this as well. Mm-hmm. Sure. I think yeah. there's yeah. a way to listen and then you can click in or click out. Right. It, yeah. And that's nice. And I guess some musicians place more emphasis on their lyrics. I mean, they know when you can't really hear the lyrics very clearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I had this same conversation with Caroline from Chairlift, and she was saying like, "I, if the lyrics aren't like, it's all about the lyrics. I hear lyrics. So she's first. a lyrics person. And I was like, I hear melodies first. Yeah, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I can think of countless times like growing up when I would just had no idea what the heck I was singing. <laughs> you know? yeah. Oh yeah, even singing oh, yeah. it, not just listening yeah. as a listener, but yeah. you can just you yeah. Know. But that being said, I have tremendous respect for great for great lyrics. So. Well, and you're a writer. I mean, how does that sit with you? The idea of of people really appreciating the music, loving the music, but not necessarily even knowing. It's kind of fine because I I don't do most of the lyric writing in Sleigh Bells. I do most of like the melody, harmony, arranging. My bandmate does a lot of stream of consciousness writing, and he's since gotten like much more focused on lyric writing and has really excelled at it and is a much better lyricist than I am, especially for, for Sleigh Bells. Like I... 
I think the the lyrics started off, especially on our first records, as almost textural, rhythmic, mm-hmm. like embellishments. You know, things that would would exist within all of the the rhythm and the guitar and and the melodies, and it was more about, like I said, you know the lyrics being very rhythmic and less about them being narratives or, or telling a story like very different than Bethany right for example right, right. Like, <laughs> I'm sure her creator process um, and then they've since evolved to be more introspective and and more personal um, and I really like the the way that Derek and I work because he'll he'll give me Sometimes there'll be specific ideas, like I would like this to be a verse lyric, or I have this great idea for a chorus lyric, but he'll he'll send me a sheet and I'll sit with the track and almost act like an editor, where I'll I'll say, okay, I love this, I love this, let me grab that, let me grab that, this works, this works together, and then just sort of create the song and the arrangement and the melodies with that sort of skeleton. Um, and what's Which, there already? A me- like a melody, a ba- like nothing. A beat. Oh anything? yeah, um, beat and guitar. Okay. Yeah, production from you know it could be anything from. Lately, we've been doing, like he'll be he'll send me, he's finally started to work at home in Logic, um, and has gotten really good at engineering himself. So now we'll have some more like fully fleshed out tracks that I'll sit down with but in the past it could be anything as simple as you know a guitar riff or you know a basic drum guitar um combination but um but I like it's also this weird competitive thing that exists between Mm -hmm. us because he'll work on a track and he won't send it to me until he gets it to a place that he's very very proud of so he'll kind of hold off and be like, oh, I have this this great new track. And I'm like, dude, just send it to me. And he's like, no, 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 I got to keep working on it until it's good. So he'll send it to me in like this pretty, you know, it's obviously a rough mix, but it's pretty finalized. And I always get this like, oh, my God, this is really good. Like, how am I going to sort of step up and meet this? And then I'll sit with it and I'll do like a full on demo with harmonies, everything like this is the vocal approach here. This is the delivery. Like, and I'll send him a demo and there's always this like horrifying you know I'll I'll text him like 10 minutes in advance like I'm sending you the demo and I'll be like okay and then I'll like look at my phone to wait to see when the bubbles are showing up to be like (laughs) you know and I can always tell if he's like you know 10 exclamation points like oh my god this is incredible I love it or if it's like cool great dot 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 Um, you know like you can always tell and but but it works out really well for us normally I think we always have or as of late have really been delivering e- each other things that we're very impressed by and proud of and and I think that competitive thing that exists between us sort of brother sister dynamic is really healthy because um you know nothing's worse or nothing's more of a motivator than somebody saying to you like I think you can do better work um and nothing's more exciting than when the person whose opinion you value so much says like this is great. Yeah. So. so you guys will get real with each other like oh, yeah. that? Yeah. 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 I think Derek and I have gotten to a point where um, obviously we're not doing things to hurt each other's feelings. We're never malicious right. with one another. But I think for a band to be successful and and survive, you have to really 
get through all of the bullshit. Like, there can't be resentments. There can't be passive aggressiveness. Mm -hmm. Because those have been the most toxic times in our band's relationship when one of us withholds information from the other or, you know, lets a resentment build. And especially with songwriting. I mean, if you, it's very vulnerable, like being told that what you're doing isn't as good as the person thinks it should be is Mm -hmm. a terrible thing to hear. It's crushing. But I think 95% of the time, if I express an opinion regarding his production and if he expresses opinion regarding my vocal work, even though it stings at first, it pushes us to do better work. And that's really been the story of this most recent record that we're working on is just like we had a tendency in the past to work on something, to love it and to put it out. And then months would go by and we would sit with it and say like, maybe, maybe we shouldn't have put that out. You know, maybe we should have spent more time with it and worked on it. And then we started really sort of studying the history of so many great records that took years and years to make. And this record is, I feel like that record for us, um, we've had songs that we've sent to our management or played for people and be like, this is the best thing you'll have ever heard, you've ever heard. And, and people will be like, yeah, it's cool. And we're like, fuck you, you guys are idiots. <laughs> and then, you know, six months go by and we're like, all right, you know, like this song needs work. Yeah. So you're really then, giving it that amount of breathing room. Like yeah. you'll feel like something is ready to show to people and yeah. then not put it out and sit with it. Definitely. We've had... Yeah. Um, the most we recorded a track last week it's one of my favorites that we've done and this is after thinking the record was done Uh months ago so we're still writing for that reason um and it was a song that had existed as a fully recorded completed arranged song about a year ago and then kind of morphed into something else about six months ago and then we just put it on the shelf because we're like this is this is over and then we took some of the lyrics and rewrote I rewrote the melodies and Derek totally revamped the production. And now it's a, a completely different beast that we could never have imagined existing when we had that first version of it. So um, that's, that's something that we've been really pushing ourselves to do. It's, it's a tricky process though, because sometimes you do have something that's really good and you just need to leave it alone mm-hmm. and knowing when to stop tweaking yeah. is, is tricky. Right. Yeah. I'm sure deadlines are good. Deadlines help. Yeah. But Um, are you in a new place because of where, how many, how many albums you have put out and and then level of success that you have reached that now you are able to say, we're going to take our time. We're not going to be rushed for this reason or that reason. You know, I think we've, that's finally sunk into us. Um, We were fighting that for a while. um, Fighting, feeling like if we don't put something out, we're not going to stay relevant or this industry is so competitive, like people are going to forget about us. Like we need to get something out. Um, and we've since realized like, okay, the most important thing here is the record. Like there will be a time and a place to tour it, to put it out. We have to find the right situation so that we make sure that when we put this out, it makes the biggest impact and just, take our time and not let our own sort of insecurities and needs and also we just miss touring you know so there's Mm -hmm. definitely this like let's get it out yeah Um, so I heard the new track Champions of Unrestricted Beauty uh uh-huh it sounds different it definitely from your other stuff yeah yeah so is this album generally in that new direction or is just that track um that track is not a representation of the rest of the record okay 
um, we're planning on putting out a track soon that I think will make that very obvious. Okay. Um, Wait, so let's we, rewind for... We said for... Like, yeah, go ahead. No, well, I, I just... I feel like we blew past... First of all, the whole idea of noise pop and the label of that. Mm-hmm. Because when I say the, like the new track sounds different, I think what I mean is it's like less noise and more pop. Sure. Um, but I mean, and we like debate the meaning of labels <laughs> and Star has her yeah. own struggle with it with her right. band too and in, yeah. in general. Um, so like... <clears throat> Is that when did noise pop come into your guys's consciousness? Like you, when journalists you making, started calling us, yeah. noise right? Pop, okay, you know, like there was was no, that even a thing had, before sleep? Like what? Who else is a noise pop band? I don't know. Right? I mean, people. I feel like every new band that's getting attention and you know on blogs yeah. and on the internet, you know, journalists need to describe them right. and. We were called everything from rap rock to, um, God, I don't know, like pop metal. And then I think people just sort of settled on noise, noise pop. pop. Was, the, was the catchiest yeah. and sort of most, yeah. most fitting. Right. I mean, you know, it, no, I mean, nice. I think it's, it's definitely, I mean, Treats was a very loud, noisy record. There yeah. was a lot of distortion. And, uh-huh. um, and the same thing with Reign of Terror, Bitter Rivals, a little less so. And now I think... Um, now I think we do both. I think there's definitely been a focus on becoming better songwriters, which I feel like has pushed things in a more pop direction in terms of arrangement and in terms of how I'm using my voice. Yeah, we um, can hear you more right, yeah, on that track, for definitely, example. Yeah, definitely. And and that's a result of us sort of taking over the writing process as equals. Um but I think for anybody who is worried that we've sort of lost the the heaviness and the aggression and the guitar and like the anthemic quality of some of our music need not worry. <laughs> um, and but it was a challenge. Like we we put that song out not as a single, just as like, all right, let's just put a song out because why not? Like, yeah. Like we have a Twitter account. And right. like if I was a fan, I'd be like, yo, Slaybells. Let's hear something. Um, and we didn't necessarily pick a song that was going to be like the smartest song to put out or that would appeal to the most amount of people. Um, that song for us has been a little bit of an outlier and just something that we loved and wanted to share with people. Um, so we've been making decisions that maybe aren't the most business savvy decisions. Do you well, have like, a bad decision? Do you have people on right. your team who are like, advising you to go in a different direction Um, but you guys say let's you know Derek and I we have a great team of people but Derek and I at this point have like really decided that we're just gonna take the reins and make these creative decisions not because we want to make them because they feel right and maybe they're impulsive but that's okay um this whole idea of being strategic about the songs that you release for the sake of radio or or labels or streaming like i think there's so many things for artists to consider nowadays and it's very overwhelming and i think we went through a period where we were really focused on like doing the right thing um and it didn't compromise our music because we didn't put a record out based on those principles. But um, we've now gotten to the point where we're like, you know what? 
there's no, no, there's no rules and we need to do what we want. And that's how this band started. This band started as us making music that we wanted to make and putting it on the internet and people being like, what the, (laughs) (laughs) it's a very well-known story, but I'd still like to hear a little bit in detail about that fateful day. (laughs) I know you're so sick of telling the story, but it's it's just, it's fascinating. And also because then I know just going forward from that I mean it was like MySpace that you guys were then discovered right yeah which and, and doesn't seem that long ago but my god how like long a, ago a leap year, right? ago yeah yeah um, and also just just what you know speaking about a journalist sort of putting that noise pop categorization on you mm-hmm. like when you met Derek what was he presenting you with how did he describe the music and so just yeah. take and it's was just a it already bit that. that sound yeah Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah. When Derek and I met, I was teaching. I was part of a program called Teacher America. I was a fourth grade public school teacher in the Bronx. Um, I met him on my summer break between my first and second year teaching at a restaurant with my mom. So were you already getting burned out? Because I know Teach for America is hard. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) I mean, I think what is like two or three year burnout rate. Yes. From what I remember it, from my friends. I um, I wasn't getting burnt out. I was more motivated than ever to make my second year successful in the classroom. And mm-hmm. I had a very successful second year. Cool. It was a challenge for me to leave it behind. Wow. Um, I, I loved it. I, at that point, didn't know if I could continue on for five, ten years in the classroom. Um without getting into a whole analysis of the education system and why right. teacher burnout <laughs> exists, yeah. um, I will say that, yes, you are working your ass off and you are very, depending on your, your school, mostly working unsupported. Um, so there were a lot of challenges. Yeah, I was not looking for an out. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very, it was, it was a hard decision for me to make. To, were you dreaming of what would come after teaching? Sure. Which was for me probably going to be work in educational policy, um, continued work within within education at that point. Um, I met Derek. It was the summer. I hadn't really thought about music other than teaching my kids music because I was just so busy. And through our conversation at dinner, my mom was asking Derek many questions, um, found out he was from Florida originally. They started talking about Florida, which is where she is also from, half Florida, half Brooklyn. And 
asked him what he was doing in Brooklyn. He said he was a musician, that he had moved up here because he was trying to start a band. She asked him what kind of band. He was like, well, I'd love to work with a female vocalist. Is this something that your mom just yeah, does here? a lot? <laughs> no, it's not. It was a very serendipitous thing. Like, this was not... Like my like mom was, she was not shopping me around, right. like being like, "Hey, my daughter can sing. Like, <laughs> join a band with her." No, or, or that start- she just like chatted up waiters all the time. I mean, I, my mom's very friendly. Like, yeah. she's very talkative. Yes, she does chat up waiters okay. a lot, <laughs> and and service or or anybody. Like, she's just one of those very curious people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not and- necessarily pitching you as a singer no no it just so happened that he started talking about music and and she was like oh you know you guys should work together and we were like mom oh, like, i was mortified i was you know very very mortified and what a badass mom she's like my daughter's you know teaching but do music together yes yeah, seriously so, yeah. my mom would be like yeah. she's a teacher look right, away right. <laughs> right. um and my mom you know it's interesting my parents always were very proud of my transition to academics and education but they missed me being involved in music like it was sort of the opposite of what a lot of parents would encourage their children to do like my my mom when the decision came when I came down to the decision to like leave the band I'm sorry leave teaching she was very supportive you know she said you can always go back to the classroom you know you have your degrees you have your resume those things aren't going to go away you have an opportunity to make music with somebody and you may not have that opportunity again um job mom yeah so she my parents were were pushing me not pushing me but my parents were encouraging me to pursue music again yeah um so Derek took her bait like totally took her bait and was like really what you're a singer what tell me what do you do and I was like whoa um yeah let me tell you about my background in teen pop music um (laughs) are you and Derek around the same age we are I'm okay he's a little older than I am and he had just left a band called Poison the Well which was a hardcore band and they had toured extensively and put out many records and so he was totally burnt out on that and was looking to do something new. So we actually had some common, you know, common experiences with just being over the the version of the music industry that we had experienced. Mm-hmm. So he said to me, like, here's my email. Why don't you get in touch with me if you want to hear some of the stuff I'm working on? And I got home that night and against all, you know, rational thought... <laughs> I emailed him and I sent him because I'd worked in addition to working as a wedding singer I'd done a lot of work as a demo singer which was fascinating so I would I would record mostly pop songs because those are the artists that are not writing their own material but songwriters would hire me to demo versions of songs and then they would be pitched to artists so I don't know if I knew that that was a job yeah it is a job it is definitely a job and it was wonderful. So I, I had a lot of songs that I had recorded, not as, you know, Alexis Krauss, but as Alexis Krauss, you know, singing a song for Britney Spears or right, yeah. whoever it was. <laughs> um, so I sent everything to him. He really loved my voice. Had you checked him out at that point? Yeah, just sort of like I knew of Poison the Well. Um, I, you know, he told me a little bit about his background but he hadn't done any of his own production work at that point. So it's not like I could look up Derek Miller and, and hear anything. Mm-hmm. Nothing was public. Um, so we got together. It just so happened he lived 
three blocks away from me in Greenpoint. So we met at McGorlick Park in Greenpoint, and it was like kind of awkward. And I was like, "Hey, hi." He's like, "Here's a, here's my laptop," and like gave me some headphones, and I listened to a very early demo of Infinity Guitars. What? And um, what year was this? Shit, I should be better at years. Two thousand eight. Okay. Yeah, two thousand eight. Because I taught from two thousand seven to two thousand nine. Yeah, cool. So, were there vocals on it? So there, there was actually he had done some work with, um, like a friend of a friend down in Florida, and on one version of Infinity Guitars, there was like this very it was totally different, but this kind of like shouted vocal on it, and the whole thing just sounded unlike anything I had heard. Um, and I was very, very intrigued by it and really curious about how I could use my voice in a project like that because it was just very different than anything I had sung before and I was up for the challenge. And I was like, you know what? I have time. Like, it's July. I'm not working. So let's try recording some stuff. And that's how it started. That summer, we would just go to his apartment or my apartment and we would set up at first, we would just set up the laptop and record direct into GarageBand. Wow. And then we got, you know, got a mic and got a little <laughs> setup going. And um, Was your dad like, no, no, no. <laughs> How are you guys doing this? No. no, I mean, my dad's never been an engineer. So he was just like, what? You're doing what? Oh, sounds good. Technology. You know, computers. Like, great. Um, and we certainly weren't, you know, paying for studio time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had like a, I lived in Greenpoint at that time as well. And my old Polish landlord would come down and bang on my door because we would record after work around seven between like seven and nine p.m. and he thought something terrible was happening to me because I would be like screaming because <laughs> a lot of stuff on treats has a lot of you know screaming or shouting I'd be like, are you okay I'm like yeah I'm fine I'm just singing he's <laughs> like this is not this has not been Crosby this is, um, how long did it take to get into that groove um it it didn't take that long I think because I had done a lot of session work and I was very comfortable sort of stepping outside of my comfort zone and 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 singing going back to that idea of becoming a character right like I wasn't so concerned about emoting and being myself. I liked the idea of occupying a different headspace. So when I was singing a song like Crown on the Ground or Infinity Guitars or, you know, then jumping to something like Real Real, like I just, I liked this idea of sort of divorcing my own interpretation and trying to meet the demands of the music yeah can we um, geek out about Real Real for a second <laughs> this is my favorite yeah. Slave Bell song uh-huh. so okay it's sampling a Funkadelic song it is yeah can you get to that yes mm-hmm. which is an amazing song but I mean Real Real like adds so much to it so how does that process like can you just talk about how you guys put that song together it was an exercise in in sampling. Yeah, and as a producer, it was the first time Derek had, you know, had a, a moment in music that he loved. You know, that riff from "Can You Get to That," yeah. and was trying to you know, essentially build a beat around it. So it just started off as as that, as just an experiment. Um, and then we, I remember like sitting at my kitchen table and working on us. You know, we we're like editing the lyrics to that and and 
figuring out a range and the the the, the intonation of that funkadelic guitar part is so strange so we were, we were like I remember we we recorded like a higher version and a lower version and then like a push more push delivery and like a less so that that song just took us months and months to like really get it together um was it easy and to it was, get their permission <laughs> well it was, it was very all very naive at first right and we like and they were like, just oh yeah it? we have to clear this right. sample um and there was a moment when it was not looking like that. It was looking like that song was not going to be on the record. They were not happy. I don't want to say they were not happy, but they were not making it easy uh-huh. for us to clear that sample. Yeah. Um, had you produced the song before signing with a label or doing anything we had, like that? We had a version of it um, that we put on MySpace, and then when we signed with Mom and Pop, we went into the studio officially and worked with Shane Stoneback, who is our dear friend and who engineered um, the first record. And we, you know, re-recorded it there. Um, and yeah, it almost didn't clear. And we, let's just say, the. <laughs> the terms of the negotiations are are not in our favor. <laughs> so it was it was more about getting the song out than yeah. it was about making sure. a penny on yes. it. Yes, got it. Which is fine. But I'm so glad it exists. Yeah. Exactly. So, so are we. And yeah. we we thought about like oh how are all the you know what ways can we get around this? Can we re-record it? Can we change it? And it just wouldn't have been the same. Mm-hmm. Um, was mom and pop supportive of that whole process? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Nice. They really loved the song and and they were great advocates for it so awesome but um you know sample clearance is not something that we're really interested in (laughs) (laughs) not a fun world to dwell in yeah yeah and we're just interested now in making our own there you go so so you're recording and learning each other's styles and right and collaborating towards a style together right and then you start putting the songs on myspace Yes. And, and what, what was the idea? That What was your expectation at that point? And are you still going back to teaching? Are you thinking like this is a fun side thing? Or when did mm-hmm. it evolve into being this is going to be it? Um, well, there was a, a point in time, I guess it was around February or March, when I needed to tell my principal if I was coming back or not coming back. Uh, and so I, I told her that I was not going to be coming back and did you tell her why yeah yeah um they were cool with it you know no one they they understood um or they said they understood probably thought I was crazy because <laughs> it was also like 2008 and the economy had just gone to crap yeah, were right? you going towards that's a good point a yeah non not having a day job at that point and just saying, oh yeah like, I was, was I was plan? going no the plan was I was going to wait tables which is what I did I started um I started working in my neighborhood, waiting tables. the The last two months that I was teaching, I was waiting tables and teaching, which was fun, um, <laughs> and working on the band. And then when my teaching job ended, and I, you know, I, I was about to get tenure, I was about to get a salary increase. It was definitely, it was a You're chance. Right. I took a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then things started happening quickly in the sense that the right people started hearing our music um spike jones heard our songs and then played them for um mia and we got contacted by mia very early on 
like it's just a lot of surreal that, like, things right when so you hear that happening. story right how did that well, mia call you well or how did spike she, jones even i mean was it because of poison the well it was through Derek a, had- it was through a friend who um who was writing for uh who was writing for like a blog that spike was curating at, at that point essentially for um a, a short film that he was working on and so he heard the song through that and then i think the story is I saw Spike not too long ago and we were talking about this, but I think the story was he like, he played, he was at a party and Maya was at the party and he was like, have you heard this band? And like played her, maybe it was Crown on the Ground, I don't remember, over an iPhone speaker, which I'm sure that sounded great. (laughs) Uh, And she was excited by it and emailed Derek um, and actually emailed the wrong Derek Miller and then that email was magically forwarded by the other Derek Miller to the right Derek Miller in no. just like a weird, totally fateful. Yeah. Yeah. So the universe stepped in things. and they were like, we don't want this to get fucked up. Right. Send it to the right person. And Derek called me while I was at work uh, waiting tables and was like freaking out because um, MIA for him was was a huge, huge influence. And yeah, we met up sense. with her. Um, we started talking about she was had a label at that time called neat and started talking with her about getting music out via neat and then we were invited to play a couple of shows from friends of ours who were playing like small cmj showcases in brooklyn played a couple shows sasha fair jones of the new yorker happened to be at one of those shows wrote about us in the new yorker like it you couldn't Not, make it up. Yeah. You know, it's just, it was luck. There was a lot of hard work involved, don't get me wrong, but there was a lot of luck as well. Just the right shows at the right time, being heard by the right people. Pitchfork picked it up. We did a show at the Market Hotel. They wrote about it. And then suddenly there were labels asking to sign our band. And when did you, you quit know? that serving job? Um, I guess I stopped right before we went on tour, which would have been... I think we started touring our first tour was with uh major laser and then we did a tour with yay sayer and then our record came out in may so i f- probably went on tour around january okay so so you were I was, conservative I was waiting about tables it from like may to january yeah. which when yeah. you consider how many years people have to work to get their music exactly. heard I, you know, it's really grateful you know we're really grateful that it yeah. worked out like it did how was the transition from uh, making these recordings to then presenting that as a live show oh it was a total shit show at first <laughs> <laughs> um people would just they were like they called us a karaoke band because it was essentially Derek playing live guitar our iPod playing the tracks and me singing so this is 2010 really mm-hmm. that it started so yeah yeah we didn't have a band um we didn't have a crew it was Derek and I and our manager and then my fiance you know plugging in right pedals and talking to the sound guy and be like the mix is gonna sound a little weird but can you make sure that you do x y and z and them you know just thinking the sound of the band was totally sort of ass backwards yeah um but yeah it was I mean now just, that seems you know you see that a bunch it's, it's not unusual now yeah. but I feel like that in 2010 it was a little bit it was definitely there was a there was still more of a disconnect 
between or, or still more of a division i should say between the audiences that wanted to go see a band and then the audience that wanted to see an electronic act right um so people didn't know if we were an electronic act or if we were a band and we would kind of say like well we're not really a band like we're the electronic elements of our band are very powerful like we're not interested in recreating all these sounds live um and we wanted the energy in the room to sort of be similar to that of a dj night where it was less about standing there and you know worshiping the musicianship and more about the experience of the music and just letting go and being uninhibited and and obviously we we both had connections to the hardcore scene and the punk scene and we wanted the shows to be sort of raw and raucous and fun and and I think they ended up becoming right. that yeah. <laughs> um and then we since you know we've since started playing with another guitarist who have always been dear friends of ours um right now our last tour we were playing with ryan primack who was also our production manager and then before that we were playing with jason boyer who's a great musician and a great friend and then um chris maggio plays drums for us now and he's just a beast of a drummer he can actually keep up with the electronic drums and sounds which we still you know blast through the speakers um because we're never going to be a totally live band it just it doesn't work with our sound um so i think we found a nice balance but that balance came with resources you know it came with being able to pay a crew and other musicians so yeah there were definitely times when the ipod would skip and then we started running (laughs) things through a laptop and the laptop would freeze and i had to do a lot of there were moments in the show and derek would look at me and be like talk right you know that was the the much dreaded word (laughs) it is talk okay sure hi <laughs> let me tell you a joke i don't tell jokes like you know um, yeah so um i identify the show girls with you guys a lot uh-huh. but how many songs have you actually had on that show we i know bitter rivals Two? was on and okay. then yeah there was another another song i can't remember right now i think it was infinity yeah was i think it. so it like infinity. really early Pretty i want to say yeah and then they used um i think bitter rivals for yeah it wasn't like, was like yep. working out exactly um, <laughs> yeah that you know it just seems like a really good marriage that i can like remember the scenes when i hear the sleigh bell songs in that show mm-hmm. it just seems to go well together and with the whole brooklyn thing like this yeah. new brooklyn moment yeah that sort of girls Brooklyn's zeitgeist of, yeah, yeah exactly for sure i mean tv has been really important to us in general tv and film yeah um sofia coppola used crown on the ground we just had like a great jessica jones what was sync it? for demons sofia um, coppola. the bling ring oh, cool. yeah so we've always been really happy to license our music f- for those purposes um I think it's it's been a dream come true to have a director like Sofia Coppola, you know, say, oh, we like your song. Let's use it. And then also, um, you know, having somebody like Lena Dunham and her team respect the band and like the band is is huge. And I think today, I mean, that's how a lot of people discover music. You know, they hear a song and they're like, what's that? And then they look it up. So we've been really fortunate to get a lot of great opportunities like that. Commercial film, TV. So, yeah. Yeah. Whatever, whatever you guys can do, right? That's yeah. the game. Well, that's it's like, a, it's a great, that's a it's, really good. Uh, and you know what? We're we've always good. been like we're TV. we're not interested in our band being exclusive. We want it to be inclusive. Yeah. You know, if a if there's a 12 year old girl sitting at home watching TV and an iPhone commercial comes on and she hears real real, and then she comes to a show, 
great. Like, I'm much more interested in her opinion than I am in, you know, the, like, stuffy 35-year-old white dude standing in the back, like, with his arms crossed, you know, Mm -hmm. thinking about our musicianship or whatever. Like, you know, like, we love all of our fans, but I, I... I don't care how you discover us. You know, if if you are a fan of the music and you want to come to a show, please come to a show. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, on that note, the new album is coming out at some point this year, but we don't have a date. Yeah. At some point this year, it's been, it's been frustrating not to be able to say when exactly, but it's coming out. I mean, it's essentially, do you know, but you can't say, no, I don't know. (laughs) Like, how much can we torture you to get this information out of you? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Um, I can tell you that, you know, we'll, we're, we'll be releasing music soon. Cool. It's just a matter of, you know, figuring out the right way to go about it. Good for you guys. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. 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 And then well, do you plan to tour around it or? Hoping to, uh, definitely, we'll definitely be touring around <laughs> it. Um, hopefully next year we'll have a pretty busy tour schedule. I'm very yeah. much looking forward to getting back on tour. I what are your it. favorite like festivals or things to play? Um, I love playing Coachella. I think it's a great festival. It's a big festival for us. We've had a, a wonderful history there. Um, I, I'm less of a festival person and more of like a small sweaty club show person. Cool. Like I love the 930 club. Um, uh-huh. Sasquatch is actually a great festival. Like in thinking of festivals, I mean, we've, we've had lots of, wonderful festival situations but generally the energy that you can cultivate in a room the clubs yeah where it's your own show and you're headlining mm-hmm. is, is in my opinion more more special um but yeah i'm just excited to bring this stuff on the road i miss it i miss playing we're excited cool yeah. and then you have this mystery thing with bethany mystery bethany ghana trip so. <laughs> <laughs> well it's interesting like, and well, we both came upon your video together uh-huh you have a little car drive oh video. yeah our <laughs> ford focus commercial um branding yeah, both like, separately like right came i mean to it and we're like, well. it's it's things like that that make trips to ghana possible or like making a record oh, possible words totally you, like you know how it is oh, yeah I mean, the oh, business no, is so great thank you i know that's the crazy thing especially have... these days it's like the lines are so blurred it didn't feel like a commercial i mean no well and it's not a commercial right. but it serves that purpose for them but right. it also serves other purposes it's like um, so it's have you ever good. watched yeah. comedians in cars oh yeah and they just like the way that the ads i mean obviously like it's an ad for the car but like then they'll just like stop in the middle of the road he's like ah that car is in my way that's a ford or whatever you know it's <laughs> right like, right it's Name just drop. right yeah. it yeah. doesn't have to be yeah it can be funny it can be in any way so i know but that was great. everyone wins yeah <laughs> no i mean i'm i'm all about obviously you have to you have to have standards and you have to have integrity and we're not going to say yes to every brand, but yeah, I get to drive around in a car and have cool conversations about women with, with exactly. Bethany. Like, and we and get it, that. And as your fans, we get that. Yeah. We get the two of you talking right. in this, like in a really well-produced segment it was, and right. there's no harm in that. Yeah. And right. I also think like, you know, there's no such thing in my opinion as selling out nowadays. Like, musicians are engaging with media social media corporate media in a lot of different ways and like i said um you know we're we're not selling hundreds of thousands of records like if we want to make a record like we need to pay for it um and there's lots of things that derek and i (laughs) 
have done with our four focus money to like help put the record out so i have no of issues just being like yeah sure like i'm i'm trying to you know pay my rent like no issues with that so it's just it's just power to you that's awesome yeah. Yeah. it's great yeah soul sisters brought to you by ford focus <laughs> <laughs> for listening guys it's never too late um, <laughs> yeah yeah but, but it was but literally like it was the bonding that bethany and i did over that that led to our ghana bonding um <laughs> so uh, led to our other Good series that. bonding in ghana <laughs> yeah yes. um, so guys we will later today talk to bethany yeah. about her version of this ghana bonding <laughs> yes <laughs> see what she has to say about it, it sounds like uh, an std ghana bonding <laughs> um there was there was crying there was laughing there was all kinds of all kinds of funny things. So, but, fun times. but we will be, it's, it's a project with Vice and with Live Nation TV. Oh, so rad. I can say that. And cool. um, when should, yeah. is there a time we can expect that? Uh, in a couple months. Great. Yeah. April ish. All right. So Wonderful. lots of big things this year. Yes. It's going to be a big year. I'm really excited. And, you know, we're just, for the fans out there, we're just trying to get it, get it all right. We've recorded more songs than we've ever recorded. And, you know, it's it's I love like reading something that Kendrick Lamar said the other day about performing new songs on TV. And he's like, I have so many songs that didn't make the record that I still love. And we're kind of in that position now where it's like we we're have, cutting. We're cutting. Yeah. You know, I mean, we have a lot of a lot of tracks that we we love and we're trying to find a place for them or just trying to be smart about which ones we hold on to and which ones we don't. I mean, but there'll always be tracks that you love. Like it's the same thing with um Bruce is doing the tour on the river right now and there's like a song that I think Loose Ends which is one of my favorite Springsteen songs and I just watched his HBO documentary talking about like the rationale for keeping some songs and cutting other songs and you know he's like but we love all these songs so we just had to put a another version of it out however many years later yeah I know I was gonna say yeah. so like in 40 years you guys can right. then like surprise us with these songs right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> very cool so I think that's just part of the process that's right yeah all right Alexis thank you so much oh my gosh thank of course this was we'll awesome. see you tonight yes I will be there <laughs> all right be there What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. 